0: Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton.
1: Welcome back. Thank
2: you. <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks
1: guys. Thanks for joining me on the podcast again. <laughs> what our uh, listeners don't know is every week I just turn on my microphone and, and just hope and pray that someone hears me and joins in. <laughs>
3: And you know, for the most part, it's turned out well. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's amazing that we all happen to have watched the same movie every week mm-hmm. for the past how <laughs> many years. Uh, yeah, I this is um I this is kind of like revenge of the secrets of Dumbledore in a way, um, hmm. for me. Because it's another um threequel mm-hmm. in a franchise um that underuses Valerie Pochner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is you know fair kind of how i define um and that also uh well i guess secret dumbledore didn't like mess up hit like his like real history that was more it uh, might as well yeah We're, uh, anyway what movie uh, what movie are we talking about this week or tyler whoever does it
3: the king's
0: man wow not to be confused with king's the secret service oh or Kingsman: The Golden Circle, which are the two movies we just reviewed. Okay, this is
1: The Kingsman, and this is a prequel. Of those. Uh, there's an
0: yeah, there's an apostrophe because it's like this is the first Kingsman. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's the Kingsman. Yes. Okay. So it's about like <laughs> Eggsy's dad. <laughs> I kept I kept and- waiting for someone to be like. I'm such and such Unwin or something, you know, sure. I kept waiting. So I kind of respect the movie for not, or that like the Ray his son was going to end up being Michael Caine. You know what I mean? I kept waiting for that. I'm kind of, eh, it's kind of cool. They didn't go that route. I was criticizing Matthew Vaughn for having
3: kind of weird takeaways from other franchises, like the whole, you know, you're killing characters that were popular in the previous film pretty quickly. That's what other franchises do when they're getting bad. But in this one, it's just like, no, I'm not going to do the uh, That's My Wee Son Gimli. I'm not going to do that. Maybe mm-hmm. that would be a bad idea. <laughs> Did that happen?
1: In one of the Hobbit films? Yeah, movies? in one, of, in yeah, one yeah. of
3: the Hobbit films. Wow. Well, it, Tyler, isn't it like... Is it uh, Tariel picks up like a, a painting of Gimli? Like a little picture no, some, or something? Some whoever... Gloin
0: Gloin, Gloin, Gloin... Gloin... uh Has a, like, pocket... Uh, what do you call it? It's like a medallion type thing. Oh, okay, with, like with a
3: locket. Fo- yeah, a locket. Yeah, I think that's what. Where did I look? Okay,
0: he he has one with a
3: picture, a portrait of Gimli. Yeah, that's. Some- and, and, but but he specifically has the line, "That's my wee son Gimli." Yes. Correct. And it's
1: <laughs> horrific. I wish Star Wars would do stupid stuff like that, and be like, "That's that that that's my wee girlfriend Baru." I mean, they, that's well, they have we other we contenders. Spoilers for Obi-Wan
3: Kenobi? There's other moments. <laughs>
1: that, 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 uh, in the Attack of the Clones, that's my wee son, Boba. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Isn't
0: that what they do, though?
1: Um, Probably.
0: I. This is going to be a weird movie. We're going to have a lot of tangents, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard to stay Kind of like the movie Yes uh, We'll do our best yeah. Alex Tell us about The King's Man
3: Sure uh, The King's Man Has a 41% critic oh. score on Rotten Tomatoes And an 80% audience score oh. It's directed by Matthew Vaughn It came out in 2021 Wait. And the weird part is I remember seeing trailers For this one In late 2019 Mm-hmm when Tyler, I think you, me, and several friends went to go see Knives Out. There was a trailer for this. Hmm. And then COVID happened. <laughs> that, that is very weird. I thought did. this came
1: I thought it came out this year.
3: It did. The Oh
1: wait no, was no, last Sorry. Year. sorry. Yeah. Wait, oh okay. wait yeah. last year. Yeah. Interesting. Well.
0: In a way it came out uh in between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty two, which were all the same year. So
3: I mean really Uh, i
1: think i think most everyone would agree on that (laughs) well i guess i have only seen nine films from this year i better change my my list uh britain i i know you probably want to get to the synopsis that way we can
3: actually uh discuss what is wrong with this film uh I, i i'm a little uh not shocked necessarily. I guess uh, disappointed, I guess, cuz I I'm pretty sure that both of you did not like this very much. And I think for me it's kind of right in the middle between the first and second films. Um I like this a lot more than
1: uh Golden Circle, hmm. but it's got it's got issues. Yes. Uh this yeah, this was definitely the weakest of the three for me. Um I don't know if it was just kind of overall fatigue or if it, I it never got silly enough. I think that was the thing that held me together with the second one is like well, this is just silly, and that I kind <laughs> of enjoy. And the first one I think is in some – I don't know. I None of these movies are, like, that special to me. None of them really, like – I don't they plan don't... on rewatching any of them. Um, but, yeah, sure. this one just – this one didn't uh, didn't hit. <clears throat> but what is this one? Well – It's The King's Man. It's The King's Man, and the synopsis for The King's Man reads thus – one man must race against time to stop history's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds as they get together to plot a war that could wipe out millions of people and destroy humanity. And they don't, but the war still happens. I think I didn't. Uh, so Th- this movie this is probably it, it a plays good... with time. It plays with time and history. It's Correct. like an El Doctoro's ragtime novel. It inserts original characters into real history in a way, uh, unlike Yale you know, Doctor O's novel, that is stupid. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's Matthew Vaughn's take on the
3: prestige. <laughs> sure. Also it's not World all. War I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such
0: a
1: bizarre... Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so I, I think that's a good... That's a good spot. So the movie plays like a biopic. For a lot of sure, it. the pacing of it is very like, okay, we're skipping ahead through time. I, I had, I feel like right off the bat, my, my number one takeaway in sort of criticism is that this feels like it wants to be, uh, the imitation game, yeah, uh, yeah. inglorious bastards. Um, I was going to say 1917, but that actually came out after this. Uh, yeah, but I, I think there's I, similar vibes. But that fair enough. If I, I or it didn't come out after this, but came out after they would have already worked through a lot of this movie because of the COVID delays. Oh, um, I see. like it came out at the end of 2019. So fair enough. Uh, maybe not that much. That one so much. Um, maybe a little Dunkirk, but like it. It it's playing in the space of a lot of recent war movies, and I don't think it's taking away anything from any of them that makes this one special. Like it's not, it's not like putting a twist on that. It's kind of sitting along a lot of those, uh, aesthetic notes and like the sort of general technical approaches that you have to take when you're writing a story about like a person that takes place across five years or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's so all over the place and and it's so unclear it's a really weird movie to have as a prequel movie because it's so like determined not to tell you why this is a prequel movie until the very, very end. Uh, And so you spend a lot of time because of the fact that it's so it's, you know, basically a hundred years before uh, the Kingsman that we know from the last two movies, we don't understand at all. Like what, how these characters end up relating um, and there's a really confusing point to me, which is that they keep immediately referring to Rayfines Fines as your grace, uh, which I don't think is what they would refer to Dukes as, but he is a Duke. Yeah. I guess maybe that's fine. I would think like my Lord, I don't know. That's, that was very confusing to me right away. Cause I was like, is he the King? Is he the, the titular King? Is, sure. is, uh, Shola his man? Who who is the king right. and who is the man here? And so I spent a lot of time like trying to figure out what we were doing with that. Um and then as that like over the first half of this movie, it just adds on new layers until you finally understand kind of what it's going for. But it's so all over the place. Uh because you've got basically you've got Ray Fines wants to stop the war from decimating Britain you've got a bunch of really kooky historical figure mishmash, uh, I don't know, Takes, uh, yeah. <laughs> like nonsense. Nonsense is a good word for it. Um, and then you've also got the story of Conrad, uh, Ray fine's son who spoilers is there mostly to have it twist back around to Ray fines being the main character at the end because he gets shot in the
1: head. Yeah. Uh, which I was genuinely surprised by. I, I did not. Yeah. And
0: that's it. what, that's where I was thinking like 1917. Yes. Does some oh, that, that whole sequence. Yeah. That and stuff. So like
1: that, that whole segment, <clears throat> I was like, this is kind of neat, but I've seen 1917. And so this doesn't impress me very yeah. much.
0: Um, And so it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what <laughs> the focus or goal of this is. And throughout this time, like there's never really a point where it establishes the general stakes. It's, it's jumping months at a time. I think it's at, at least once, I think it jumps a couple of years forward. Um, and then obviously at the, the very beginning takes place, like around the turn of the century, uh, because <clears throat> that's when Conrad is a kid or whatever. Like it, so it, it's jumping all over the place. Uh, the pacing is just completely like wrecked. <laughs> it's, it's so weird because it's trying to play like an action movie, but also like a biopic. Yeah. Uh, And without that many, but also like a yeah, but also like a Tarantino movie, like it. None of it is really, and I'm uh, I'm saying those those movies come to mind, like *Imitation Game* and and *Glorious Bastards*. I don't necessarily know that that's like what was on Matthew Vaughn's mind, but that feels like the kind of cultural ideas he's tapping into of like the kind of movies that come out right now.
3: Well, it's very clear just by the fact that this is a World War One prequel. We've completely bypassed the James Bond yeah. spy parody mm-hmm. elements like exactly. this completely sucks all of that out, which isn't, isn't necessarily a problem for me, but it's just like, well, what are you going to replace it with? Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, I guess not much anything. <laughs> yeah. well, and I think what, what gotten, it got its way from where I'm sitting is that we, we we've talked about, and I will have more to say on this later about how Matthew Vaughn, at least in these previous movies will come up with a neat idea, but then not follow it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and, I feel like he doesn't, when it came to the previous two movies being takes on James Bond and being a fun spy movie, I don't think that's what he does. I think he goes, here's an idea, and I'm going to go way far with it. I am mm-hmm. just going to run with the idea of making this a crazy James Bond spoof. And this, he, I, he, it feels too tethered. For a movie that takes a lot of liberties with history, it feels too tethered to historical events. hmm And it almost feels like he went, oh, I'll set this in this time period. Oh, and what if they ran into this figure? Oh, and what if they ran into this? And then he suddenly got excited about all that, and then no one really stopped him. And I feel like you could set it in this exact same time period, but just not have him interact directly with those figures and do so much of the same concepts, but not have it be about, now I'm going to go talk to Tsar Nicholas, and now I'm going to go talk to King George, that we're just going to focus on you know, maybe there's like a, a Russian, maybe it's just like Rasputin is coming up with some kind of crazy or somebody who works for Rasputin is coming up with some crazy weapon that they have to stop. Cause it's gonna something that doesn't, that it doesn't have to, they don't have to think about the real world implications of it. Cause it's like, it's a thing that didn't happen. So it's like, Oh, I've come up with some super weapon that we're going to, some poisonous gas we're going to use in world war one. They wouldn't call it world war one, but you know what I mean? And, then they stop him from doing it. So it doesn't matter that they made that up. I don't know. It just felt too tethered to the real world events and people yeah. and trying to be accurate, but then also not being, it just, all of that to me was, was not, not a missed opportunity, but an opportunity that he didn't. Yeah. It only in a little too much, but also in not enough. I don't know.
3: Yeah. It's that weird gray area where he really needs to pick a lane. Yeah. And not, I don't know. In some mm-hmm. ways, this feels like he's kind of... It's almost like there's, like, two screenwriters and each of them has a completely different mm-hmm. idea of what the movie is. Sure. Which... I, I, I'm just going to check the writing credits. Oh, there was well, someone else. Matthew Vaughn did write it with another writer who is not Jane Goldman, so... Who's the other writer? Carl... Gajusik? I'm... definitely butchering that. Don't know the name. Uh...
0: I feel like, so, I think maybe starting with the Tom
3: Hollander of it all might be my man—the
0: <laughs> good place to dig into this.
3: Uh, Tom oh, Hollander. This, uh, just real quick, so this the the other writer. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try his name again. Carl Gajusik. There's a. It's G A J D. I don't know how to. Ugh. Uh, apparently he's he's basically just known for writing mediocre action movies. Like he wrote Oblivion, the Tom Cruise oh, wow. uh, sci-fi movie, and then he wrote the November Man, which I think is like a mediocre uh-huh. Is that Brosnan the prequel movie to the like, Gray Man. <laughs> I mean, it may as well be. Is that the prequel to Christmas with the Cranks? That'd be good. Look, don't get me started on the Christmas with the Cranks cinematic universe. <laughs> you don't even know uh-huh.
1: four Christmases. Yes.
3: Um,
0: Tom Hollander in *The King's Man* plays King George, Tsar Nicholas, and uh, Kaiser Wilhelm. Kaiser, yeah, Kaiser Wilhelm, um, who all were distantly related in history, <laughs> re- real <laughs> world. Uh, but in this, he plays them all, and they're supposed to be like almost triplets in their relationship. Um, and there's a <clears throat> there's a scene early on where it starts kind of explain. I don't even remember who's narrata- narrating this part. Um, but it explains like, okay, there were three cousins and they all kind of got along because queen Victoria kept them in line. And then when queen Victoria passed, they all got a different piece of the kingdom and they all started fighting each other. Um, and then that is Tom Hollander. And he has a different ridiculous facial hair in mm-hmm. each kind of iteration of himself. Um, did I mention he's credited with a, uh, three, like Tom Hollander cubed Pretty in good. the credit in the, in credits, uh, which is cute, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and he's fun in this. He's fun as his characters. The, that scene started to set me up for like, I mean, a, this is 40 minutes into the movie and we've had nothing like this so far. So it's yeah. very hard. Like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's this tone about? Um, but that sort of set me up for like, okay, is this going to be like really fast and loose doing a lot of fun, silly things to explain world war one. Uh, and kind of like really diving into that. I would be on board with that. I think that would be a ton of fun if Matthew Vaughn was just going in here and like having this super silly sort of retelling of world war one happening behind the scenes of this Kingsman prequel. Like sure that, that I'm on board with. Um, but we never really get something like that again everything else is like sort of taking the characters as serious historical figures and totally simplifying what's going on with them in World War one and not really doing using them to say anything that the big one that I want to go ahead and get to is linen <laughs> one yeah. of your linen shows up in this. Uh, and it's like, basically they defeat Rasputin and, uh, our, our mystery character, uh, our mystery villain, yeah. the big buildup that we'll talk, we'll have to, that's, I'm just going to put a pin in that.
3: But, um, by the way, for, for folks that haven't seen the movie, I want them to look at the cast list and and use your brain. Literally use it for five seconds to think about who the mystery villain is. Yes. Um, If you've listened to our podcast, you should know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, the
0: uh, I was going to say Rasputin, it was Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Stanley Tucci. Rasputin gets defeated, uh, and then our mystery villain is let's <laughs> just said his name is almost like, oh hey, uh, I'm I'm mad about that. Somebody else needs to make Russia draw out of the war. Uh, Lenin, go start your revolution. And Lenin's like, I'm gonna revolution so good, man. It's gonna be the best revolution, and we're gonna just like rip this like straight through Russia's going to leave it's going to be great um and, and it's literally like one scene where he's like yeah I'm going to do a great, a great revolution it's going to be awesome um and then like half an hour later uh when when the plot needs it to happen uh we see the tsar resigning uh to linen and he's in this big marble hall and it's very pretty and there's a bunch of like it's it's full of his army and they're all like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're all chanting in unison yeah. uh, as as this uh, revolution cleanly oversees the transfer of power from the ruling class. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is like they're not even doing something. Again, I want it to do something silly or fun or like interesting with that, but it's yeah. it's actually just like, oh, <laughs> that's it's not how revolutions work, <laughs> and we're just gonna okay. That's fine. Again, it is, it is like, he feels like he has to attach it to these historical events and then doesn't really know what to do with them when they're in the movie. Uh, he, I said he, I guess two screenwriters, but,
3: uh, it's weird. It's a weird thing to happen. Uh, He's got a copy of World War One for dummies sitting it next to him. It feels like that <laughs> a little at, bit. He, he's sitting at like a typewriter. It's all, he's got like a super fancy setup, but he's got World War One for dummies <laughs> right next to him. For educational purposes.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I, I, I agree, Tyler. I wish this movie had, had just been, I, I had gone further with the silliness. Like, I think. What he ends up getting is something silly, not something silly, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think the Kingsman Golden Circle version of this movie would have Anastasia show up at some point with, like, a bunch of ninja-throwing stars. And be like, you took out my father. Now I take out you. And then (laughs) she's like, in in revolutionized Russia, Anastasia princess you. And then she starts... That Just would like, actually be really neat. Like Pride if, and
3: Prejudice and zombieing people. And it's or,
1: Chloe Grace Moretz.
3: Yeah. If she if she joined the Kingsman and like the whole like her subplot is getting revenge against Rasputin or something. Like
1: Yeah, like it should be, be that level of silliness and anac- yeah. silly anachronistic. Well, this didn't happen, yeah. whatever.
0: And like Lennon, I feel like if you're gonna make him be like the other linchpin in the villain plot, then you need somebody who's more Crazy and over the top, and you need to give him more screen time. Borat, uh, if
3: that... <laughs> I'm here for it, I think that would be good. Look, based on how this movie ends and that after credit scene, mm-hmm. is something else, they may have it well as as well have done just Borat. Like, yes, <laughs> I think that, that would not. Good. A, after seeing the choice that
1: gets made, it's like I, nothing surprises me now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but and it's something. I don't want to say it's fun. It's, it's a very comic book idea to be like, my OC assembled mm. all of the history's greatest villains. The whole time I kept thinking about this joke in Futurama where they're in like a holodeck or something like, oh no, it's all of the greatest villains. Jack the Ripper, Professor Moriarty, Evil Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I kept waiting because when like... The- the mystery villain is sitting there and he's like, Matahari, Lenin, Rasputin. I kept waiting for it to be like, evil Lincoln. <laughs> just, it was, it was such a bizarre, but th- that could be such a fun, crazy thing. But and I think Rasputin gets the closest. Yes. To, Rasputin,
0: I think. And yeah, part that, of that Rasputin level.
1: should just be the villain of the movie. Right. right. Correct. To like, and you're doing this kind of cartoony, like it, maybe he's magic, maybe he's not kind of thing. Yeah. Daniel Bruhl, whenever he wore the monocle, I was like, ah, mm-hmm. we're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You're like a crazy uh, uh, banker right now. This is great.
3: Don't don't get me started. Much like the last film, we have tons of really, really good actors, and we just do nothing with
1: yes. them. Stanley Tucci is in two scenes and says it about just, five sentences. I correct, don't get yeah. it. I don't get it. And he's in The Kingsman at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. it does make me wonder,
3: like just with how bloated these films come off as, and it really is just like, I feel like Matthew Vaughn almost just has like a blank check and he's just like, I mm-hmm. just, I'm doing whatever I want. This is my universe. Now I know Mark Millar kind of came up with it, but it's really just mine. Um, I, I really just wonder if he just like, if I, I'm just imagining like a five hour assembly cut and he just has to cut it down. And so like Stanley Tucci had like an entire subplot that's just gone could be. I don't know. It feels like it. Or, I mean, it could be COVID-related. I
0: don't I don't know if they like, needed to do reshoots and they never happened, or, like, what happened there. Um, but, yeah, it is weird. It's weird that it's happened twice now, where it's just like, oh, we cast a bunch of people and we don't know what to do with them.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and it, it, in some of those ways, like, the fact that Aaron Taylor Johnson in this movie is in this movie, I think is kind of cute. Right? Like, he was sure. in the other one that Matthew Vaughn made, and he gets to do a Scottish accent, which honestly isn't that bad. And I, and if Aaron Taylor-Johnson was more of a cameo as opposed to feeling like an underwritten character, I think it would be more fun. Because mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, look, it's, it's kick-ass. Here he is. But it's, instead, yeah. he just shows up as like, I'm friends with your son. I'm gonna be the kind of surrogate version of him. And then he's not. And then he's not in the movie. And I thought he was ba- going to be the big bad guy. And I, got, I was like, sure, sure. Don't you do it. And they I, didn't. The, the
3: reveal is at the very end, Aaron Taylor Johnson was evil Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> he just puts on a top hat. But he's still Scottish. <laughs> yes. But
1: he's still Scottish. Four score and seven <laughs> years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But, um... <laughs> it's really bizarre that he doesn't join them for the final, like, yes. assault. Yes.
1: Yeah.
3: Which, yeah I again, you mentioned COVID and everything. So Yeah, many maybe there's contained.
0: something like that going on there, but that I, was really strange to I me.
3: I don't think so. Like, I think the movie was supposed to release, like, early 2020. Mm. Like oh, okay. I, I think it had, like, a similar track to No Time to Die in terms gotcha. of release. So I... I don't think we can put COVID on this aside sure. from
1: it got pushed back. A gotcha. Lot. Gotcha. Cause yeah, the just, and, and not that Aaron Taylor, he's not like, I mean, don't me, it's not like Brad Pitt and Deadpool. Perfect cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not like, <laughs> sure, <laughs> but it, it's, I, it's not like he's this massive star, but like, I, I get why he's in the movie and I think it's fun. And he either therefore needs to be a more utilized character in the movie or be a much smaller, fun cameo as opposed to a character that feels like he's not in the movie. Um I will say this movie gives Jimon is Hansu uh, more to do than most movies do. Yeah. But, but it's still not it's nearly still enough. It's still not nearly it's like enough.
3: It's like if if we're going on a gradient here and most movies do maybe 10% of what they should do with him. Yeah. This movie does like
1: 40%. Yeah, right. Like and they that, do who, yeah not kill him off
0: and that made me and happy. yeah me too i love that, the idea that he ends up
1: getting to be the merlin <laughs> that's cool he yeah. has not done anything merlin-esque up until that point well that's what? a
0: fun i i think that that is that moment works for me because at the very beginning young conrad's yes, like yes. you would be merlin and that i think that's right cute. i think that's a fun no
1: i i think it's i i, I like that but i i i wanted him to have more like showcase fight sequences Because he can clearly still do it. And he looks amazing. (laughs) He he does a shirtless uh, sparring early on in the movie. And I was like, it it, it looks like he's still in Gladiator again. Like, this guy looks incredible. Or he needed, like, a fully-fledged Q scene where he's giving him
3: fun gadgets before the final act.
1: Yeah, like, he just doesn't get to, like, play enough. And I would say maybe the best under-usage of him is maybe Shazam, where at least he gets a hilarious beard. (laughs) like and and at least in in that that franchise's defense he's coming back for
3: the second one. Too. Oh, cool oh that's so, fun i remember being kind of until, fun Angels too, but. Un, un,
1: until too. uh until discovery says oh we're not seeing yeah, right. that but don't worry yeah there, there's a lot of weird stuff going on over there um abbott elementary is on hbo max and i don't I understand saw that <laughs> Re- quick plug this is not my recommendation but quick plug for abbott elementary it's fantastic Half-hour comedy broadcast. It really is tremendous. Everybody should go check it out. It's a wonderful show. Uh, I don't know why it's not HBO Max, but <laughs> is it also an... still
0: on Hulu. Anyway. I think so. There's, Wherever there's it is, no people should
1: watch it because it's a. It's just you'll have twenty minutes of a good time ask, every episode.
0: Ask your Alexa to tell you where yeah, exactly. to watch. Tell it to play. Apple. Yeah, you.
1: or your uh, Google. <laughs> I will say uh, it's talking of often underused actors. Our uh, friend of the podcast, Charles Dance. Mm-hmm. Is in the movie now. I, I did. There's an interesting sort of nomenclatural thing here where he is. His last name is Kitchener, and I kind of thought that Ray Fiennes' character should be named Kitchener because his family gets put in the fridge, but instead it's Charles Dance <laughs> as Kitchener. And the first that was so good. <laughs> Thank you. The I, very early, maybe two minutes into this movie, I was already smiling because Charles Dance's first line is "Orlando," <laughs> <laughs> <This> is <laughs> greeting, and then he says my good man or it's great to see you and i was like nope i want charles dance to do promos for florida this is a great
3: look if nothing else charles dance got scenes where he had a lot of dialogue. he did and, so he, and a, I, a lot of mustache yeah yeah it was very impressive Ugh. but like i don't know I, I feel like i i've seen worse uses of yes. him and of course he dies like halfway through the movie or whatever but yeah well, and, and I'm not. I wasn't surprised that that was something I expected. Yes,
1: it, it does. This movie casts two of the most underutilized actors in Hollywood, or in movies, and yet they are not the most underutilized. I would say, right? Um, they use
0: them slightly more so they can make yeah. room for other people to be more underutilized.
1: Exactly. Uh, Kitchener
0: is also a real historical figure. Oh, is he? Uh, General General. Kitchener, by the way. Okay. Or some military title Kitchener. Okay. <laughs> is, uh, huh. is real. Uh, and i just was looking it up cuz i was curious and the in the movie they mention, like i don't believe for a second that landmines sunk his ship or whatever and that is the official story we we now know the true uh, <laughs> yeah. history behind world war on 1 um, <laughs> we know what the books we know who you. was pulling the strings but uh yes he it, yeah. his, his ship did hit a landmine like that
3: that was all like interesting okay a, a real ish thing sure okay well I guess that's kind of a neat subversion of history is like okay there was a death in under kind mm. of mysterious circumstances let me play with that a little bit sure, that's sure. something
0: yeah like that's more interesting to me than <laughs> L- linen do, do your revolution now <laughs> When All right, gonna... I've been waiting for you to tell me I can do the revolution. <laughs> All the people have been saying, "Hey, when are we going to revolt?" And I've been like, well, "Not yet. Not <laughs> well, well, yet." Well, the, hang on. The, well, we're just we got uh, Look, look, we got to make sure Rasputin doesn't get this figured out. And if he doesn't, then
3: <laughs> I I just I just want to say there've been several instances that I can think of of some of these movies are fine, but like mediocre action movies that do this, where it's like there's a villain plot and it's set in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, where the bad guy just wants to start World War One mm-hmm. for profit or whatever. And the two immediate examples that come to mind, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, right. which also has a twist villain of sorts, uh-huh. and um, the second Sherlock Holmes movie. Um, oh, Yeah. And I'm like, can we stop I that's a trope I don't I don't like. <laughs> I don't want that anymore. No thank Well it's you. a very it's it's like what if we made
0: history less interesting? What if we yeah. like yeah. took out the fact that there's a million different players with different interesting kind of motivations right. and like influences and that's how you get something like World War One. And <laughs> it's just it's like there's a big really bad intense, guy and he wanted like, this to happen.
3: Yeah, it's not this situation reaching a boiling point because you've got so many different parties competing against each other and all of them are tied in different alliances and stuff. It's not a Game of Thrones situation. Yeah. It's just... Guy is playing both sides for fools. Yes. <laughs> I don't... Uh, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of lame. And, 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 and what's what's even worse about this one is it's not even like he has like super grand ambitions. Yeah. He just wants England destroyed. That's it. Yes, because he's Scottish and he doesn't like the way that Scotland was has been treated right. by England. And which, I don't know which all that mystery just...
0: villain. Your feelings are valid,
3: but <laughs> look. No, no,
0: also, I'm not gonna say... you couldn't exist because of how people would have been able to influence those countries at that time.
3: Right. I don't know. It's but, but seriously, like look, look at the previous villains, and we had problems with both of them. Mm. But look at Valentine and look at Poppy from the last two films. And then look at th- this person. <laughs> I don't know how long we're going to hold this for This, this phantom
1: figure, this yeah. spectral overseer. Let's not even say it. Let's just leave yeah, it be. Just He's a sort of dark Geppetto, pulling the strings. <laughs> this, this
3: Ozymandias of a figure does not <laughs> match the others, okay?
1: Okay. <laughs> It's not Jeremy Irons, don't worry <laughs> Well, oh <laughs> I know, can you, okay, listen Jeremy Irons would kill in this movie don't I wish they had done
0: that up. I wish they had had, like Whoever it is be hidden the entire time And then when it's revealed, it's just Jeremy Irons <laughs> It's like, this is just and the, what
1: I'm giving is like Dungeons and Dragons performance Where he's just like, yes, it's me, I'm Scottish now
3: Yeah, yeah it's like, it's not even no, like No, I a think secret. this movie oh. is begging for that kind of performance Oh would yes. so good It is For sure. Because once Risa Fawns, once he leaves the movie, like, the whole villain plot just, like, completely nosedives. It's just not interesting at that point. And, I mean, Rasputin's weird. Sure. I'm not even sure how I feel about that section of the movie where they they go and confront him. Oh, it's completely bizarre. That's when it really gets into the weird Matthew Vaughn. I'm going to push stuff to unnecessary extremes for reasons? Yeah. If... uh,
0: if Tom Hardy had jumped into a lobster tank in the background of (laughs) any of that 20 minute section of the movie, it would have been like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. And (laughs) that that belongs
1: here through that whole sequence. They never play the Rasputin song that Rasputin lover of the Russian queen that like dance club song. They never play that Mm. during that entire fight. I was like, it's going to drop. Not nope. It's going to drop. Now is that a, is that a rights thing? It a, could be, but in, so maybe it must've been because then instead use that freaking classical you, m- piece of classical music. They play in every movie. Do it, you think that Matthew was, Vaughn, that was
3: the one time where Matthew Vaughn was like, I'm going to pull back.
1: No.
0: Do you think that that, do you think that was the only reason he made this movie is because he had this vision for a sure. battle set to that song. And then he couldn't get the rights.
1: It must've been, <laughs> it must've been because again, then they use them. it has gotta be in the public domain. Cause it's in every movie. And I was, I was kind of annoyed at that, whatever that piece of music is. Yeah. Um, but no, the fight scene is pretty good, the fight it fine. is good. Yeah. but uh, cool. but that all, that scene also led me to think: Is this going to be a structural like okay, we're gonna, there's going to be like two or three of these big figures. are now we're gonna go on the Matahari mission. Now we're gonna go on the Lenin mission. But they're all just kind of woven in. And Matahari is a figure who I don't know a lot about. But I will say this movie made me interested to go and learn about her. I want to like find a biography or something on her because she was a real uh, mm-hmm. exotic dancer who was a spy for Germany. Like that's interesting. And I've mentioned Valerie Pockner before. I really, really like Valerie Pochner. Um And I think she's a great actress. And I think she was a good choice for this part. But there were several points in the movie where I felt bad for her. Because <laughs> I was like, don't make Valerie Pockner have to sit around a table and look at a ring <laughs> mm-hmm. and kind of nod. And, and also awesome. uh seduce Woodrow Wilson through a and weird I don't even, black and white camera. And I don't even <laughs> yeah. know if that was actually her or a stand-in. I don't know. Sure. But then she has the scene where she and Ray Finds are kind of flirty, and I was like, okay, I like this idea of these two who who can both they can both bring the sexy dangerous thing. They both mm-hmm. have that sure. that in their in their uh their uh skill tree. Um mm-hmm. and uh just say, I recommended the ground beneath my feet. The woman is a weapon. That's all I can say. <laughs> but, she, but she and Ray, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then they're, they do the, like, scarf sexy fight for mm-hmm. about 30 seconds. And then he chokes her out and it's over. And I was like, come yeah, on. She, yeah, that felt... That felt like it could have
3: so easily been cut out of the movie, which was, which is weird. Like I said, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's got to be on the cutting room floor. I feel like she's probably got like an entire subplot weave throughout the movie too.
1: Yeah, because I feel like, and that's the idea that she is an exotic dancer who is also a spy and is now in an action movie. To me, that's a clear like dance fighting, right? That's a clear, you have her engage in some like dangerous tango, although the tango is already so dangerous I would tell you why I know that, but it's much too much to describe. Um, the forbidden tale of the forbidden steps. Um, <laughs> but uh, she, I feel like that lends itself to that. And I don't know if Valerie Pockner, is, is action training or dance training, I don't know anything about her. But that seems like a, a, a clear uh, path to a cool fight scene in a movie right. like this. And it's not.
3: <laughs> Maybe they were like, Oh, we don't want to duplicate this. We don't want to, or you know, we don't want to just repeat the uh, the Ross Putin fight because that was a dance fight. We don't want to just do yeah. That. I guess. But also,
0: what if the whole movie was dance fighting? What yeah. if you just had I'd, I'd okay constant dance? I think that would be fun. And to
1: to get and that 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 leads into Stanley Tucci as the American ambassador who's not yes. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> What if he was, though? That'd that would have been great. <laughs> it was like, well, here we are, 11 men united. Kind of a herbs and spices. <laughs> we are the secret recipe to global peace. <laughs> i say, i say. Because it took me a minute to be like, is that, that's Stanley Tucci. And then he doesn't, I don't know. I don't know why that bothers me so much that Stanley Tucci got a paycheck.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's you want
3: to see an actor you like do things. I, know. I think that's I think that is completely justified. That's <laughs> like, how I feel about accent. a lot of it. It's like
0: what are they just like just showing up so they cuz Matthew Vaughn likes them and he's like, "Hey, sure. What can I pay you to pop up in
1: this movie?" And they're like, "Sure. Yeah, got a weekend?"
3: Yeah, like it's it's so weird. Like I I don't want to knock the actor who plays the ultimate big bad. But when you have Riza Fonz mm-hmm. and Daniel Brühl right there and it's like what are, what are we
1: doing here? Well, and, and Why I, are these pieces arranged the way they are? And for so much of this movie, it is such... The, the the movie keeps showing you the back of the villain's head, and they're doing the Scottish accent. So the whole movie, I was like, okay, it's not Ewan McGregor. It's not Robert Carlyle. It's not Ewan Bremner. And, it, and it, right up to the reveal, I was like, it's David Tennant. It's going to be David Tennant. It doesn't sound like David Tennant, but it's going to be David Tennant. It's not David Tennant. But the movie was shooting in a way where I was like, this is going to be some crazy cameo. They got Sean Connery. They reanimated him. Like, it's going to be some crazy, or it's going to be Vin- uh, Dwayne Johnson. It's going to be something insane.
0: <laughs> Dwayne Johnson with a
1: perfect Scottish accent. Right. It's like, yeah, it turns out Danny DeVito's not really in my wheelhouse, but Scottish. <laughs> got he that. Learned I his got lesson. that on me. He's like, I'm going to step my accent game up yeah. next go around. Got his Rosetta Stone tapes. <laughs> he's, he's on the set of Hobbs and Shaw going. I am the shepherd. <laughs> the shepherd <laughs> of the flock. <laughs> uh, they also kill a goat in this movie, and I didn't like that part. Yeah.
3: So. Oh, every scene with the bad guy, like, d- doing, like, the Spectre base, yeah. like, round table thing where he's threatening everybody and he's giving them decoder rings, and he's like, I'm gonna sacrifice a goat or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and all of it felt so perfunctory, and I'm like, all right, what? what is the point of this good looking goats though
2: yeah sure they aside from check
3: the box on the villain has
1: a plot right which i feel like matthew vaughn should be above that Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well and i one thing that i know we we were talking about this in the previous movies particularly in the first one about this this introduction of a neat idea and then not following anywhere how in the in the first movie samuel jackson has this thing about climate change and in the second movie poppy has this thing about the criminalization of certain substances and it's this real world thing that i at least i want there i i, I want big hollywood movies to be like hey climate change is real We need to just think about it like i that personally i want that but it's also just as a as a screenwriting thing to introduce such a big concept and not do it, to only give it lip yeah. service feels feels weird and unnecessary and in this movie they do that with the heroes because there's all this talk early in the movie, uh, well, I, I kind of throughout the movie, but it really lands early in the movie, where Ray finds is talking to his son about a lot of wealthy people. We hide behind our status. We got to this level of privilege and luxury. Our ancestors got to this place by killing, by colonizing, by invading. It was a terrible thing, but that's why we're here. And so we shouldn't hide behind that, our wealth and our luxury. We should use that to help people. And I was like, oh, I like that. Like, I agree with that from a personal standpoint, but also I like that as I want big Hollywood movies to confront that stuff. And I like that, you know, if if, if uh, uh, Matthew Vaughn wants to do the anti, go, go against the sort of rote spy, he goes rogue, government, secret, secret, government, secrets." right? And then he's like, also those movies don't really say anything, so I want to say something. I like that idea that the hero has this ethos, and that we get in this whole thing about um, people who work in service positions, like uh, maids or butlers, which in this movie does literally mean women and people of color, that like they have this this access to information, and they can get into the rooms mm-hmm. that I can't get into. I was like, oh, that's really cool, and that's really interesting. They don't do a whole lot with that. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh, uh, <laughs> there's a moment. Well,
2: do
3: you think we can get somebody into the White House? There's something going on there. Yeah. Yeah. That shouldn't be a problem. Right.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> okay. end.
3: You may as well have said, we've already got someone there.
1: That's yeah.
0: where that's where you like use Stanley Tucci as like someone exactly. trying to infiltrate like a, a butler trying to get hired at the White House or something.
1: Right. Or that he's like the, the, the White he's, House sommelier or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like he's like panicking, trying to pull
3: this off. But
1: sure, like, totally. That everyone, would be a no fun, one is actually on. Scene.
0: No one's actually onto him, but he's like you know sneaking around, trying to be like a super spy.
3: He finally gets into the Oval Office, and that's where we get the reveal that Aaron Taylor Johnson was evil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like like all, all, there are all these ideas that from a personal Daddy's standpoint, Daddy's
3: home. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: The shepherd is Will Ferrell the whole time. It's Will Ferrell doing a Scottish accent. No, but the, the 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 movie has these things that I, from a personal standpoint, want to see uh, explored in a big Hollywood, theoretically multi quadrant movie. But also, it's stuff that I wish the movie leaned into more because otherwise, the arc of this movie is eh, killing's not so bad. <laughs> Because there's this whole <laughs> thing about Ray yeah. Fiennes being like, I'm a pacifist, I don't kill. And then in the end, he's like, I'm, I became the man my son would become. And then he starts killing people. <laughs> I do think that it's a little more nuanced than it, it, that. It, it is, but I, I think that there's a not, I wish there were more support beams.
3: Yes. <laughs> throughout, sure. Throughout well, I
1: think it's really weird
3: that he's constantly telling his son, like, you can't go off and fight in war and stuff. And then he's like, but I'm going to take you on this dangerous mission where right. you
1: have to seduce Rasputin. Because yeah. they give him two motivations. On the one hand, it's I can't lose someone else. Like I lost yeah. my wife because we were in these dangerous positions, and I can't lose my son. And it's also pacifism. It's not honorable to die for your country. That's just marketing. like we can't we can't get into that and And then he ends up being like, I don't want to jump out of a plane. <laughs> so yeah. all of that was was a little a little hinky for me.
3: I did like that they gave him and his son a a reasonable conflict given the time period. Absolutely. I thought all that worked really, really well. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, Harris Dickinson is the actor who plays Conrad. Kind of a flat line for me, especially because Taryn Edgerton was our previous Mm -hmm. young lead, um, and he's just given the opportunity to have more charisma than Conrad. Um, But I I thought that plot. Such as it was was perfectly fine. Sure. Um. And I I really did like the trench sequence, and I I do really like the subversion of him getting shot at the end of that. Sure. Um. Because that immediately is like, oh, all right. So we're subverting the first Kingsman movie. Instead of killing off the mentor, we're going to kill off the person who you would assume yeah. would be the lead for the rest of the film.
1: Yeah. I like that. That was neat. Yeah, and and I think that like it it this just kind of kind of drove home that like for me that okay we're gonna get ideas we're not gonna go that far with them as in i don't know i i think i i also like sort of the the blueprint of of the father-son stuff in this movie and i wish that maybe if the rest of the movie if they just pull back on some of that stuff and let that be more central to the movie i don't know um yeah the trench sequence i do think is probably the best set piece in the movie but uh, so basically the setup for this is that Harris Dickinson and his group of guys are mm-hmm. in – is it No Man's Land? Yes. yes. Okay. And they come across a troop of German soldiers. And they square off, but they realize – both sides realize if 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 either side hears anything, we're all going to die because they're going to open fire. It's nighttime. Nobody is going to – if they hear gunshot, the Americans aren't going to know who's – or the, the ally, you know, the 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 British aren't going to know who's a German and who's a British. And the Germans aren't going to... So is this, we're all going to die. So we have to do hand-to-hand. It has to be this quiet fight. And it's a neat little sequence. But the whole time I kept thinking, I, I there, there, so there's a, a, a moment in that fight where somebody like hits a helmet with something that's like this loud clang. And that's like this moment of, oh. and I wanted more of that. I wanted this to be um, a a a slower fight scene mm-hmm. that is really about like, don't make a sound and lots of like stepping around each other and like a, a mixture of like the the scene in um Saving Private Ryan where uh, uh the guy pushes the knife into I think it's Adam Goldberg, um and he's like going shh while he does it like wanting this wanting them to u- to use that in in a more creative way, and like the the show on Apple TV Plus see is not a, I don't think it's a great show, but they do a lot of really neat action quote unquote sequences that are, you know, all the characters in the show are blind where the audience is fully aware of like, Oh, there's that person behind you. And the way they stage those sequences is really creative, setting up the circumstances under which they have to fight silently. And I kind of wanted a little more in that sequence instead said, it's just like, they can't make noise. Here's hand to hand fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the hand to hand fighting was still good, but I wanted them to use that circumstance a little more to kind of flesh that out for me. Um, but that may just be a Britain thing.
3: I think I was just happy that there was like a steampunk sure. uh, German soldier who was like screwing knives onto his hands. Yeah, sure. sure, sure, sure. It's got like this little gauntlet thing. It's
1: like, whoa. What? <laughs> yeah, no, that is okay. a good a good little uh, mini boss. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: What
1: was the, yeah, uh, the guy uh, in is it force awakens who goes traitor like he's a yeah, new yeah. game character yeah I like that guy
0: i did have some call of duty vibes from okay <laughs> some of that i feel like it's a little bit the way yeah. it's kind of staged is is very yeah clean not <laughs> for world war one trench fighting <laughs> sure uh
3: but i did like that after that um conrad he ends up finding the german soldier who was a turncoat spy trying to bring back information he ends up finding him um and he he, there's like a very very nice moment where he's like crying and the guy's holding on to him the guy's lost a leg Mm. but like conrad's crying it's a very interesting visual and he's like yeah my dad
1: was right this was a bad (laughs) idea i don't know i like that i liked all that yeah that played for me yeah, I, I do think a lot of that stuff is the strongest in the movie. It wasn't strong enough on its own for me, but I do think it's strong within the movie. Yeah, and I don't know, just
3: the tonal whiplash of um, because that happens real fast yeah. after the whole Rasputin sequence. Do we just want to talk about that? Because that's
1: <laughs> Rasputin. Yeah, there's I, a I, lot in there.
0: I don't. It's. I feel like I don't have a lot to say other than recounting what happens because I don't know what I just like watched. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but the al-
3: sequence of Rasputin healing Ray Fiennes' leg is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. He he yeah. eats a
0: poisoned pie and he vomits it up. Uh, and I
3: did actually like that bit.
0: Yeah, I mean it's fine, it's just like weird. It's not again, it's not like I don't have like a take on any of this. It's just like he he's licking the scar on Ray Fiennes' thigh uh, to try and get the blood flowing again.
3: Well, it's supposed Uh, to play as like potential sexual hijinks are happening because you've got Conrad and Shola on the other side of the door. And they're like, what's going on? Because they're hearing they're hearing Oxford, uh, Mm -hmm. the Duke. They're hearing him like moaning.
1: And it's uh, it's just uh, it's very, very not funny. Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah, it's it's weird. I will say there's a line where I they're at a party or something uh, Ray finds his surname is Oxford and he says we're going to be Oxford's not rogues and it's like I get it it's like in the first movie where they said it the other way mm-hmm. that's cute
0: oh well, in the fr- in the first movie they say Oxford's not Oxford's not oh rogues. and he
1: says we're gonna be rogues not Oxford's is that it yeah yeah that's it okay okay well they flip it and it's cute
0: well but it's like he's saying they're saying oxford's not brogues like the shoe and
1: no the, yeah. i know but in this movie
3: they flip in this it. movie he does a pun he says tonight we're gonna be but, rogues no not. but that but that confuses
0: me because clearly that's like that that must get passed down
1: no i think it was just, I think, it was just a, I think i think was just like a meta joke uh,
0: they repeat it like twice in this movie
1: do they I think so. I think there's I a second I
0: want to
3: say time. when they say it early on, they say it the normal way. Oxford's not brogues.
0: No, it's, it, it was rogues both time, and it bothered me. <laughs> Alright, well never mind. I, I and that's why I, so, I, so I was that.
3: like, I wanted Look, to Look, we already that because, established that Matthew Vaughn's willing to retcon and just change sure. things willy-nilly. I, it, whatever. It
0: bothered me because I was like, so Oxford's not brogues was Colin Firth's uh, secret passphrase to like make, let Xe or let whoever he gave the whatever he gave Eggsy, uh, that had a phone number on it to, to make sure that the Kingsman Taylor person who picked up the phone would know that this person knows like about the Kingsman yeah. and like, that's supposed to be the passphrase. And like Colin Firth has a big like feeling about this. He's like, yeah, broke suck. We're Oxfords. um, And so it annoyed me when yeah. that happened. Cause I was like, is that supposed to be like the setup? Like, is that, does that come down from that? Why? How does that, does Colin Firth actually not like Brooks?
1: Well, it's a quote, you know, quotes your games of telephone. It's like, play it again, Sam, isn't what the actual quote is. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's evolved Darth over time. Darth Vader does not actually say, Luke, I am your father. Yeah, you know, it's it's just sort of the way uh, language changes over time. I assume that's what Matthew Vaughn was going for. Yeah. He's a thinker. Also, I think it's just like a meta joke. Can we but talk yeah. about Matthew Good? Uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, you mean like the minor character who is? <laughs> who is he? Is he Morton? Morton. He's so I Morton. forgot. So he Harrison, a who I forgot, and I said who at one point in the movie because I forgot Matthew Good was <laughs> in the movie
2: because
1: <laughs> he is King George's like valet or something or like his buddy or is he is he Charles? He's Dennis's? working with Kitchener. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Matthew Good is a thin man with large eyes, who is kind and of it, creepy on the and crown. In the role of Morton, he has
3: the very like uptight stock yeah. British soldier. Uh, yes, sir. We are we are about to supply the weapons here, sir. You know, he's got that yeah. type of voice,
1: very rigid. Yeah,
3: he's the bad guy. <laughs> he's the bad
1: guy, he's and the I the want to talk reveal. about him
0: because I think uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about, like this movie is a lot more interesting to me if the idea is like, all right, we've got our three Tom Hollanders and each one of them has an aide, uh, who is secretly not like they have kind of a hidden agenda and you, yeah. and one, if it was Matthew good and it was Daniel Brule and it was uh Rasputin and like they were having shady meetings about like, all right, we've got a, we, we, we all have a position of power here and we're, you know, together we're going to bring down Europe like that. You know, that was the if sure. it was a, a, a sort of gathering of, of evil uh, politicians or whatever like that. That is interesting to me. And then you could have Matthew Good, uh you know, he's on the ship and then he leaves. Uh, and then he clearly escapes because he shows up again at the end, which I have questions about how he's getting between his big evil villain meetings and also the scenes that we see him in in London or Uh, uh, Britain. How did
1: did Varys get from Dragonstone to Winterfell? But, like,
0: this is a movie. No, I know. And, like, (laughs) this takes place over... Like, this is over a 30-minute sequence. I'm pretty sure we see him in both sure. places, multiple times. Uh, and it's like
1: it's again. It's the prestige. There's a, there's a twin.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe that should have been the twist. Is that there's actually a set of evil triplets? Yeah, evil evil <laughs> uh, triplet cousins. Yeah, uh, played by Matthew Good. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Um. But I I like that idea more of like okay maybe they what if they all were like working together and then you can have Matthew good pop up and it's like my mission has been successful. If you know, early on we just saw Rasputin and Daniel Brule and they're like, our mysterious third member is working on King George. And then he shows up and it's like, Oh, they're all together. And that's the big reveal in the middle of the movie for the second act twist. Um, And then, and then you can kill Rasputin and then you can, you know, maybe Daniel Bruhl gets killed by Stanley Tucci as the butler in the White House or something. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, then you, you have, okay, like Matthew Good, you know, he's got this this uh grudge against England for what's done to his home country. It's relevant to the Kingsmen. Again we have somebody who has a valid complaint and also does not get like addressed well at all by the Kingsman. Like the Kingsmen don't care yeah like like it uh, it would fit the form uh, and we'd kind of have somebody that we could that makes sense to plot in there but to have him just pop up at the end a it's super predictable i did see the imdb cast beforehand so i can't know for sure if i would have caught on to it before i was pretty sure uh that was where it was going to go though like that it just is like okay yeah he he gives kitchener a weird look when he leaves the the room on the boat it's like yeah okay he's he's up to nefarious deeds
3: um, well, they don't give him any sort of opportunity to come off as, like, friendly yeah, or engaging yeah. or giving him any sort of, like, character moments aside from he's just kind of
1: weird. Mm-hmm. Again. Oh, he's the yeah. bad guy. Shocker. Again, I forgot he was in the movie.
0: I think he <laughs> like, offers to Conrad to join the army that, or tells Conrad he can help him join the army at the beginning, oh, yeah. which is almost okay. more of like, a, okay, that's like, oh, the guy is super friendly. What if he's... Yeah. No, actually the bad guy like it's it's such a twist for the sake of being a twist when the movie doesn't really need, need it well no, there's uh, no
1: reason for aaron taylor johnson to be scottish other than it's a fake out to make you think that he might be the bad guy and also for sure. the bit where uh he doesn't have where yeah where there's a mistake because he and conrad switch identities like it's all just silly i do i do want to say i don't think that matthew good is bad in the movie no no
3: it's not his fault but this is the second movie that we've done for the podcast where he's been a twist villain, and it's it was not not the optimal choice. Yeah, Pitch Perfect three yeah. didn't work out too well, but I think that mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that's you know Pitch Perfect three maybe was missing a little Matthew, Good. just a little <laughs> sprinkling of Matthew. Get, Good. get him
1: in there. Um, not that I would give up John Lithgow for anything. <laughs> sure. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 I, I, and also he is the one that says manners maketh man. Does that mean that this, their entire apparent ethos and logos of this organization was started by the villain?
0: Yeah. And this also like the villain has an organization before the Kingsmen do. Yeah. Of, and they're like bigger players than the Kingsmen ever are. They also mentioned Woodrow Wilson keeps asking for a Statesman
1: bottle which is which is cute yeah. the first time and the second time it's like yeah we we heard you the first time, <laughs> <laughs> but like him him saying manners maketh man and then the king's been using it that's like if Dumbledore's army said I like snakes or whatever Voldemort's big quote is, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his kind of catchphrase is. Voldemort's famous, uh,
3: I like famous rallying cry. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Voldemort's catchphrase is just Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess like. Which, I mean, you could probably, you could probably ascribe that to, like, half the characters yes, in the Harry sure, Potter yeah. universe. Heavy,
1: <laughs> But, yeah, I, uh, I, that was <laughs> weird, and it's, yeah, it's like, after he killed him, Ray Fiennes goes, man, there's me. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> Thanks! Oh, thank you. Uh, credit, uh, give artists, credit artists for their work, that was, uh. From <laughs> quote credit the, at Matthew Good
0: at the guy who started World War One.
3: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I almost feel like that that needs to be like a running thing through the movie where it's like it's almost like on the family crest or something sure, of sure. like manners maketh man, and then like Ray Fiennes has to tell his son like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that that that's actually a lie, like that meant nothing to our family before right, but yeah. i'm trying to actually make it into something yeah. and then at the end of the movie after all this stuff happened and he's lost his son uh, do they give him a name other than morton uh,
1: I, I think probably i don't think so
3: matthew good but when they're having their duel and he does say that it's almost just like trying to dig at him it's sure. throwing it back in his face like it's, it's something like that instead yeah. of yeah britain if it is just like a retcon of like oh did the bad guy just come up with that
1: like, yeah right <laughs>
3: It, yeah. It's like it's like if uh, you watch Casino Royale and Chief goes, "I'll have a uh, vodka martini shake and not stirred," and you're just like, "Wait!" <laughs> and yeah. then afterwards, James Bond's like,
1: "That does sound pretty good." <laughs> Wait, <laughs> why? I try that? Actually, hmm. oh,
3: okay. All or right. if that's a real Spectre move to say Blofeld was literally behind everything, including the catchphrases in and
1: the beginning of One. when uh, Frodo and Sam are trying to sneak into Mordor. They overhear some of the orcs going. You know the stories that really mattered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um.
0: I yeah, it, <clears throat> I, that this is what confuses me about the fact that it's a prequel because it is so disconnected. But there's little hints here and there, and it's yeah. it does not explain how these hints eventually get back around to having the Kingsmen happen. And then at the end of the movie, the Kingsmen are random people. Yeah. It is our three people who are in the big third act and killed Matthew Good. Which, again, glad that Jola survives. And yes. Polly?
1: Polly. Which yes. I do want to talk Poppy? about Polly. <laughs> I do want to uh, talk about Polly after this.
0: Polly. Polly is in it. And uh then Stanley Tucci, who doesn't make any sense to be in there, and then yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who also doesn't. And this is the thing that was so weird to me is that. Aaron Taylor Johnson is the new Lancelot, who's like, yeah, you know, the sort of key. Like this is an an important uh, title, and it's supposed yeah. to be kind of like one of the head knights of the Kingsmen. Uh, and he's not in the third act; he just like is yeah. is
1: around. Like it, it makes mathematical sense. It does make emotional sense. Yeah, <laughs> he should. He may as well just say, "I'm replacing your son." Right. I, and you're my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. Well, and then there's another guy. I will say I like that in this they use other knights. They uh, have Percival and oh, who's the other one? There's a Gawain. Galahad has oh. a lot Percival. Maybe is this Percival? Oh. Is it not just is... Merthur and Merthyr? Merlin and Arthur? Merlin, Arthur, Galahad. Am I missing Percival, somebody? Sagamore. I'm trying to think if this is the other Arthurian. Not whatever.
0: No, I think that's that's all yeah, I know
1: one guy says Percival. I know yeah. that. Yeah, um Anyway, uh, yeah, it's 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 silly and weird. Uh, but yeah, Polly is played. Who's the Galahad? She's played by Gemma Arterton. Who I like Gemma Arterton. I wish she got a little more to do. Her storyline in this, it's a little girls get it done. You know, it's a little bit like I'll handle this because you. Bo-. They should call it the King's Woman because she's the only one doing any kinging mm-hmm. around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But she does have a fun Like Manchester accent So she was kind of like If Daphne from Frasier Was battle Daphne uh, mm-hmm. Which I'm like I got very excited about Because <laughs> um, uh, I, I think Jim Artisan does a really good job In the movie Like I like Jim Artisan I like, Artisan. Well, I like the, when she gets to have fun And stuff
0: They give her this thing of Like being an expert sharpshooter Yeah That's a lot yeah. of fun But they don't She kills Rasputin And that's So like fair Valid yeah. you, that's That's a good thing To let her do uh, but she doesn't really get involved in. I guess she does get in a, in the big shootout at the end to help them get up on the mountain. But like,
1: yeah. But she I has she say, has her involvement in this is almost like if she had been in a pre in like a prequel to the prequel where she was yes. like the main character. Now she's like stepping the character stepping back a little bit. It's that kind of vibe. Yeah, I gotta
3: say that that ending set piece, like everything with Ray Fiennes crashing the plane and then having to climb up, mm-hmm. was neat. Sure
1: everything else was really really lame well especially like I I want to watch a scene where Jim arterton covers jimon Hansu as he like as they both kill a bunch of guys like that sounds really yeah. fun and it's in the movie <laughs> like it's not that yeah and they're
3: just like at this really bland gray location yeah. and it's like oh it's kind of a weird looking
1: mountain that's right. that's <laughs> about all you got yeah
3: it is a there is a James Bond movie that is kind
0: of like this and I don't know which movie I'm the
1: ones of. that we watched I it think it's
3: a for Your Eyes Only would be my guess. That's where the one where he big... does the, the rock climbing at the end Yeah. And topos oh, in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I want to say that was. They did it at some location. Um, it was like a religious location, and the people living there were like, You cannot film here. But they. And they they're, like, and they're like. They're <laughs> like, Sure yes, thing. Film here.
1: <laughs> These aren't cameras, they're giant shoeboxes. To carry our big shoes for hiking. Mm-hmm. Which we look through
0: to make sure they are good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, these <laughs> shoes still look good. What was that, Topol? <laughs> uh, uh, movie magic. Love movies. Correct. Yeah. That's no. why we're here. Love cinema. I, I do
3: also feel that, once again, kind of kneecapping themselves with the, the Bond parody elements and just, like, the fun spy stuff the The most outlandish gadget that they have is a sword that also doubles as a
1: gun. Yeah, it's really yeah. lame, and not even in like a cool Final Fantasy VIII Gunblade way. Sure,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's yeah, it's just um, kind of lame. I think you're mistaking the m- most useful gadget, the parachute. Yeah, which is a device that enables you to jump out of a plane safely.
3: That was kind of amusing. No, I it's, guess. Not, it's cute. Look, I liked how they set up, at least at the beginning, that Chola did not like flying. So yeah. he, when he's just like, no, I'm afraid I'll, I will mess this up. I am <laughs> not going to do it. And then uh, Oxford's just, uh, he says, oh, well, I guess I, I, you know, I should be up for doing something that I would right. ask yeah. you to do. I like all that. No, yeah, that, we... that
0: worked, yeah. Mentioned. The plane
3: crash itself is actually really well done and visual yeah. effects wise, I sure. think is seamless. Like when it's like nosediving and he's stuck in the wing, I thought all oh, of that looked really, really mm-hmm. good. Like I can imagine like my mind being blown seeing that on like IMAX. I think that'd be really neat.
0: Yeah. There's some there's some pretty I think shots in general. Like there this movie does have a lot of good looking stuff in it. Um it's it's not always Again, because of the like, and that was something that really threw me off because I want to talk about the introduction real quick. Uh, the introduction has these big sweeping shots of the South African landscape. Yeah. Uh, which again, that's like, that's what you do with a historical movie. Typically like the way it's shot feels. And some of that's probably like Matthew Vaughn trying to evoke the language of like world war movies. Sure. Sure. In general. Um, but also, there is a uh, concentration camp in South Africa at the beginning of the movie, and they visit yes. it, and that's no one really again talking about just like putting stuff out there and then being like, "Yep, that's there," and then people, yeah. you know, kind of being like, "Matthew Vaughn, what what was the what was the plan there? Did you have yeah. something to say about that?" It's like not really, like that. <laughs>
1: that nah, crazy. That right? Was,
0: that was odd. I thought that was yeah, a the,
3: weird place to start us off. It really feels like Oxford needs to use that against Kitchener at yeah. some point and be like, I'm not actually going to work with you and I don't trust you. And this is partially why I'm starting Kingsman, is because men like you in these positions do this. Do
0: yeah, horrible cruelties. Like, yeah, it's like why He doesn't even really He he says He some, has
3: like one token remark about it, and that's it.
0: He says something that's like what you would say. Or what a character would say if uh, they showed up and construction was way behind on like a, yeah. their big new building. They're like, it "Looks sure. like you haven't been doing a very good job of keeping things moving." It's not. It's not like, okay, oh, hey, you're, this is uh, this is some real uh, human rights violations yeah. and uh, we're working also murder." To build a new, what are you uh, doing here?
3: We're working to build a new uh, part of the fortress. A new set of tents in the northeast corner. Well, it looks like they're really making good progress. Yeah. It's it's basically that. It's
1: weird. Yeah. Looks like you guys have been concentrating. Oh! Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> that's what Morton said. Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: gross. And that's pretty much all I have to say about the movie. That's
1: the whole movie?
0: I think that's we did fair. It. Oh, they also uh, show us the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Oh yeah. Uh, That's like was... pretty like down to the why wi- down, down to the wire, down to the detail. Like, yeah. Again, kind of the world war one for dummies, but it, like it's, it is yeah. like a direct like representation of like how he was assassinated, like with the assassin, like missing the first bomb. And then like, of course they have, uh, uh, Ray finds our main character. They have him throw the bomb, with the umbrella to the next car so that the bomb doesn't kill the Archduke yeah. uh, instead of it just being, like, a guy. Uh, or maybe even just, like, missing. I don't remember what actually happened in history, but...
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and then he's, like, getting a sandwich and the Archduke happens to come by and he's like, oh, it's my chance. It's fate. Like, that. that all happened. And yeah. so that's... It's a weird, like... It's almost like that was a moment where he was just like, hey, I just want an excuse to, like... Make a cinematic version of this. <laughs> it's it's a little like again the the swerving between, I, we have to do this exactly the way my history book says it does versus right. sometimes being just totally wild and not really caring at all for it. it. It's a strange line that is being woven.
1: Yes. Um. I think the last thing we should talk about is the mid credit scene, where, yes, Daniel Bruhl is talking to a person in front of a big vault. I think it's linen. Linen. Yeah, linen. He's talking to linen, And he puts in his monocle. So I was like, oh, this is going to get fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think I found a new person to carry on the shepherd's cause. And this guy comes in. And I was like, I don't recognize this actor. I don't care. Honk, shoe, whatever. And this guy has like a big uh, kind of long mustache. And he's and they talk. Blah, 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 blah. What's your name? And you see the guy kind of go rigid and you realize he's clicked his heels together. And he goes, Adolf Hitler. And then the movie's over, and I fainted. <laughs> and it's not getting a sequel. <laughs> I was like, Why, We will you? never get to know what Also, we're... the actor says it like he doesn't want to admit that he's playing him. He's like, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> well,
3: even even better than that, uh-huh. they have a setup beforehand. They're showing um, the Tsar's yes, family do. getting yeah, killed yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. And I guess Hitler was an assassin?
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hitler is the real gray man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is I would be fascinated to see Matthew Vaughn navigate that
1: in yeah. <laughs> his is next. Uh, also Kings now movie. he's locked into doing a crazy movie where he's already cast an actor as Hitler. They're not he's not Correct. gonna get, you know, John C. Riley to come in there and be like, Oh yeah, it's me, Adolf Hitler. Like yeah.
3: it, it really does feel like um so Crimes of Grindelwald, was that the second one? Where it's like, why are you Dragon War War II? In this? Yes. yeah. Yes. Why why are you doing that you to me? You didn't have to, Joe. You didn't have to. Yes. Uh Are we are we really going there? Uh this is so, so stupid. So
0: <laughs> in terms of <laughs> if we're looking at um the mysterious man who was never revealed from the end of Amazing Spider-Man Two, mm. uh,
2: who was who was
0: gathering all the villains, sure, um, uh, Sinestro and Adolf Hitler. <laughs> how 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 do we rank those? Where, where where do we land on cliffhangers that are never going to happen? Uh, because this, I think, shot right to the top for me. This was like, oh, you you just swung for it. And like, I I want to know the reaction of the like the the focus group or like the yeah. the investors, uh, not so much the investors because they wouldn't really be, but like the executives, you know, like the producers. What are they thinking when when you, when yeah. they're watching this film you've made, uh, screening it for the first time? Sure. And then they're like, oh, what did you do with this in credits here? Are you, thinking a little franchise action. All right, all right. Uh. <laughs> So there's Matthew? O-
1: so there's ostriches in the real world now. Is that what you're <laughs> suggesting? Pretty much. Yeah, I don't uh, remember the other two examples you gave. I don't know what they happen. I just don't remember hmm. those movies. So yeah, this is the best one because it's like suddenly there's <laughs> Hitler, <laughs> and then without warning, Hitler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somehow Hitler has returned.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's something. Oh, Alice's thing. Oh, oh. He's I gone was, into I his amazing searching. He's going into his amazing Spider-Man 2 Fugue State. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that where they play home
3: by Philip Phillips or whatever? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am. I, I'm trying to think of uh, anything that would be up for consideration in terms of like that was really lame. Um, The after credit scene of X-Men Origins Wolverine comes to mind. That's um, is that Deadpool. That's Deadpool, yeah. Okay, Deadpool, like, coming out, now he can speak? Well, he's been decapitated, and his lower, the lower portion of his body, like, shakes his head awake or Mm -hmm. something, and he just looks at the camera and goes, shh. Seek. It's really lame. (laughs) Uh, It's (laughs) supremely lame. I will count
0: Deadpool as following up on that, though. Uh, sure. just because they do make fun of it. So like that at least, and I guess they make fun of Sinestro too, but like, well, they make fun of Green Lantern. They still don't really address. What if Sinestro just showed up as like the next DCU villain? Like what if what if that was what Discovery was like? Hey, I think it's t- it's been 10 years. I think if we bring Sinestro back, we can get kind of like a prequel effect going, like a Star Wars prequel <laughs> effect and everyone's going to be like on board with it now. Let's yeah. try it. Let's have him be the big thing. But it's, it's Sinestro Let's as a kid. Let's bring back Mark Strong. Let's bring back Mark Strong.
1: But he's playing he's the best part of that movie. But he's playing Sinestrito when he was a small boy, <laughs> and he and he hates space dust because it gets everywhere. Correct. Uh,
3: For some reason, I'm blanking on after credit scenes. You think I, I well, would well, like
2: a, a be able them... to
3: immediately pull that from my brain? I mean, specifically, like to have an after credit scene that sets up a sequel that you never
0: get. You have to sure. really like. It takes a certain level of commitment to the bit <laughs> that, right. that we don't see that often. So that's why I'm like, I think in terms of ones that just get totally dropped and are never going to get picked up again. Uh, those are what spring to mind. And I
3: think this is the cream of the crop.
1: No, it's pretty but, good.
3: I don't think Amazing Spider-Man 2 is technically an after-credits scene. I think the, all of that is, that is within the, the Either movie. way, that's, that's There's fine. an after credit scene in the first film with that character that you're talking about. Which, ironically, also has Risa Fonz, but...
1: Risa Fawns is the shepherd of all these these movies. Wait,
0: wait, sorry. Does the first Amazing Spider-Man have the thing where... No, that's Fantastic Four. Okay. Does the first Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man have the thing where the man with the hat or whatever goes and sees the lizard in jail?
3: Yes. That is the first one. What? First film.
0: (laughs) What happens at the end of Amazing Spider-Man Two? It's just um, the the, Rhino the same
3: fight. guy goes to see Dane DeHaan in prison. Okay. And Dane DeHaan's like, "Yeah, Sinister Six, do it." And that's when uh, Paul Giamatti gets Rhino Mech.
0: Okay. Okay. All right, so, I'm I, I will count that as a uh, and that was a kicking the can down the road from the first in credit scene and then
3: okay. precisely. But still, that is absurd. Um. <laughs> like, yeah i knew this I at like, some point but i i do feel like every five or six episodes we circle back to the amazing spider-man movies and tyler just has this whole spiel of like wait what happened again because yeah. <laughs> i feel like there was some episode where you're like wait that that came out like a decade ago yeah what yeah. uh can I count the the uh, the nightmare sequence at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League because oh, yeah, that was pretty God. bad? Yes, yeah but, it,
1: yeah, but it's not like it, it doesn't True. make me happy.
3: Oh, does Suicide Squad count the movie? When, the whole movie? When, <laughs> you know, when, yes. <laughs> it really is an after-credit scene that goes nowhere. Um, but when uh Bruce Wayne talks with Amanda Waller and he basically like threatens her. And it's like, where's this going? Oh, nowhere. I'm thinking of
0: like, I think when you reveal a character, sure, and at the as a cliffhanger at the end, or like you set up like this is clearly what the plot of the next. Yeah. I guess if we're being if we're being truthful here, we could throw a Doctor Strange in the mix there because we hadn't seen uh uh seen our the the six one six Mordo. Uh, since he said he was going to go kill all the wizards, so
3: I kind of I kind of push all the the MCU movies to the side. And but this is like, one. That's, maybe yeah. if, maybe at some point they'll address it. But this is one where we have not. Seen well, it. I mean, I I would argue. I mean, I guess we'll find out when we watch when when it's Morbin time. But uh, mm. the end of Spider Man Homecoming, the after credit scene is Michael Keaton talking with Michael Mando, right, and him being like, "Oh, I don't know who Spider Man is." And then we never see him again. Well, I think that. Un- until <laughs> it becomes Morbin time. Until it's Morbin time. Yeah. But that's yeah, like to- based on what I've heard, will then become the worst after credit okay. scene that we've ever seen. So I'm yeah, so I'm looking forward for to
0: the tease for Morbius 2 that will get set up there. I give the King's Man a D plus. Final answer. Alex
1: is looking at his his amazing Spider Man uh, storyboard that he's got <laughs> set up on his wall that he bought from Mark Webb. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you. 54. It was a it was a garage sale. It was a garage
3: sale. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm just trying to think of like you, surely you went other to, after credit scenes should be coming to mind, and I've got nothing. You went to Mark
0: to uh, Mark Webb's garage sale, and he was like, "Yeah, I've got some amazing Spider Man storyboards." Uh, and, uh, you know, I've got, uh, the, the rhino horn. That's going to cost you a little bit more. Um, and you can also, uh, Dane DeHaan will, will, will go be your buddy. He'll, he'll go home with you if you want to take him along for the ride. Uh, and Dane DeHaan's (laughs) like, a friend? And then Dane DeHaan, who has been living in Mark Webb's basement for the last 10 years, finally got to find somebody else to, to take him in and crash on his couch.
1: I give the King's Man a D. For Dane Dawn. Yeah, for Dane Dawn. <laughs> Who should have you been said, the secret Scott. And Tyler, that you said D plus yes. correct? Okay. Alright, I was give it a B. Do it. Kick ass two has an after credit scene, Does that count? Oh, what is that? Uh, ooh, what about in Last Jedi when the kid gets the broom? I don't see no janitors in Rise of Skywalker maybe no one's even that's, sweeping in there that's in the movie, except for though. the studio sweeping the previous movie under the rug am i right oh my
0: god mm. um
1: Kickass Two. the end of that movie is
3: uh christopher Mintz plass who is the bad guy and i can't say what his bad guy name is on this podcast <laughs> um which should tell you something about the quality of that movie even though i like it um it's supposed to be just a hint of like, Oh, he's like in a hospital and he's still alive. Yeah. Um, daredevil, uh, Ben Affleck movie. The, the after credit scene is, uh, Colin Farrell bullseye is still alive. Also, speaking of, uh, solo
0: has, uh, the Darth Maltese, if I'm not mistaken.
3: But that's not an after credit scene. That's in the movie. Oh, um, I know. We're we're kind of we're kind of veering the. I'm
1: talking about teases. I'm not. I'm you know. Yeah, we so can we explicitly can explicitly that space mutiny. Well, uh, y- y- the film. Well, hey, you shut know up. what? <laughs> um, I want to do one. <laughs> it's Britain's turn to talk. I thought of a tease at the end of Space Mutiny. It's revealed that Calgon is still alive, and uh, I don't think they made a Space Mutiny too. I think do I have the legit answer. Know.
0: What's what's your
3: answer? I think my answer would be the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> because the the whole bit at the end of that is Will and Elizabeth have reunited. They're, uh, they're sleeping. And Will has a nightmare that Davy Jones has come to oh, visit. Right. And it's supposed to hint that he comes back. I, I think that might be my
1: answer. But our it's American judicial system has told us there might be another Pirates movie. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that'll get followed up. And yeah, I just brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that'll never me, get follow up,
0: it took me far too long to figure out what you were talking about, and I'm <laughs> I'm proud of myself for that. I'm glad, yeah, that, yeah, that wasn't too. on my mind. That's good. Um, That's good of you. I given if you want yet. to find out, there's follow. so many things we haven't done before <laughs> you do this part. <laughs> if you if you want to find out the uh, the grade that Alex is giving the King's Man, uh,
3: then you can enjoy our tees.
0: What what is your grade for? Okay. Um,
3: I think I'm gonna be nice to the movie. I'm gonna give it a C. Okay. I, I I think it's a, a decent watch. Um, I know I haven't been overly positive with the podcast with you know during the episode i think really for me kingsman 2 broke the universe so much the fact that this is like just so far removed and it's just kind of like this weird one-off thing it almost worked for me more in in just that very weird off-kilter context um i don't know there's parts of it i really really liked there's parts of it that are really really messy Overall, I thought it came together as a cohesive piece more than the second film did, even though the second film probably has higher highs and lower lows, I would say.
1: I wish that movie had ended with Elton John looking at the camera and saying, it's gonna be prequel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a recommendation that is also about grief. And that's how I will tie it to this movie. Um, no, this is a very, <laughs> uh, this is a movie I'm very, All right. I was very excited to discover that I could watch because I've been looking forward to this movie for a, a minute. Uh, it is a new movie from 2022. It is called After Yang. This is a movie, it's the second feature by the director Kogo Nada, who directed, I think, half of the episodes of Pachinko, the TV series I haven't watched yet. But he also made a movie called Columbus that I really, really love. And whenever I rewatch it, I'll give a recommendation for that because it's stupendous. And this is based on a short story. And the movie is written and directed by Koganata. And it is, it's it's a movie set in the near future where people are sad. We all know that's my favorite subgenre. I love near future sad movies. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, about this family who uh, adopted a, uh, a baby from China. And you can buy... Uh, they call them techno-sapients, but they're androids. Who uh, This particular android, uh, whose name was Yang... His purpose was to help connect uh, this child to her Chinese heritage. Um, he was a, a it, the form of a Chinese man and would help sort of teach her her language and and just connect her to her her roots while she lived in America with her parents, Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner Smith. And then one day Yang uh, malfunctions, and the movie is literally about what what follows and the sort of grief process and can they get him fixed? And, um, I, I won't go too much into the actual plot because I think it's a lot more fun to kind of discover. Um, but I will say this is a, a movie that could so easily have gotten the, I am legend treatment where you take this really interesting short story or an, I am legend say it's a novella and turn it into like a Hollywood thriller that mm. kind of sucks all the meaning out of the, the text. And, um, yeah. that does not happen in this movie. It is, what you get is something much more tender And thoughtful and kind um, It's got all the the hallmarks of, of a movie like this Where the production design is really beautiful The music is really beautiful The cinematography is really beautiful um, It's 95 minutes which is great <laughs> and uh, But it also There are shots in it that are just so moving And that come out of like Well that's just a nice thing to do That's a, that's a tender hearted shot To put in this movie Colin Farrell's excellent in it. Um, Justin H. Men, I think, is the actor who plays Yang. He's really, really good. Um, Clifton Collins Jr. shows up. It's always good to see him. Haley Lou Richardson, who I really like, is in there. Um, Sarita Chowdhury. Uh, Jodie Turner-Smith is very good. And there's just a lot of really wonderful moments. There's. It does have an, uh, an opening credits sequence that is delightful and super fun and a little weird and just really, really great. Um, I rented it but however you can find it totally watch it it's my favorite movie of 2022 so far um we will see uh ne- maybe next week we'll change that um it- narrator it didn't but uh I, I I was really looking forward to this movie because I loved Kokonata's previous movie so much and and it did not disappoint it is a it, I, I I say it's about people being sad there's sadness in it it's a it's a it is not a depressing movie it's it's a it's a sort of downplayed movie that is about very warm emotions and is just so beautifully done. I really loved it and it's called After Yang. The King's Yang. The, King's Yang. the Yang's Man. Yeah. Yeah, sure.
3: That's better. better?
1: Worse. Yeah, that's Colin Farrell in that movie. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody else got some?
3: I, it's 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 been a weird day, folks. Um, <laughs> my recommendation is going to be Dope Sick, which is not not uh, completely out of left field. It's 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 a lot more sad. <laughs> um, it's just nonstop sad. Uh, basically, for those who aren't familiar, it is a mini series on Hulu. Um, that is basically about the beginning of the opioid crisis in the mid 90s to kind of mid aughts it it uh, jumps all around on the timeline uh specifically around oxycotton being uh created by this uh company and it really jumps around in terms of pov there's a lot of different subplots and characters that we follow and all of them are really engaging and fascinating Um, you know, we get the point of view of the family that invents the drug and all of the kind of corporate shenanigans. It's like, it's like a little mini Game of Thrones when it gets to that stuff. Um, and then you've got Michael Keaton as a doctor in this small mining town who has, who is like one of the first people to, um, have oxycotton sold to him basically he just he thinks it's going to be a cure-all to help a lot of people in this mining town and um caitlin deaver is somebody who works in the town um and then you've got kind of the federal investigations that are going on kind of later in the timeline with rosario dawson doing one and then um peter sarsgaard and his um compatriot Uh, doing another one later on. And it's, like I said, the non-linear nature of it didn't, it was bothering me a little bit just because sometimes I was having to like reorient myself. I'm like, where exactly in the timeline am I? But ultimately when I got to the end, I was like, that doesn't really matter all that much. Um, The acting is all fantastic. I think it's, for me, it's probably my favorite of Michael Keaton's performances. It feels the least like one of his roles and by that I mean he's a very good actor but I his specific performing quirks are very obvious to me um and I feel like this one he kind of strays away from doing a lot of that um Rosario Dawson I think is brilliant in it and any second she was on screen I I mean the whole thing's just great um Caitlin Deaver is wonderful I haven't seen her in that many things but I know uh both of you really like her um and yeah, it's really, really good. I recommend it if you're into sad stuff. <laughs> and now I am binging Better Call Saul, so I will be recommending that for the next three weeks or however <laughs> long it takes me to get through that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm currently halfway through Dope Sick and can also recommend it. It's it's just very, very well done. And yeah, the time, I think the, the time jumping thing, it, it actually helps in some in ways just emotionally to frame certain yeah. The way we are getting certain information and then certain events are happening in different places is really effective and yeah, I, can, I, I agree with everything you said. Um John Huckenocker plays Guard's compatriot and I, I'm loving that guy. It's just yeah. Scene after scene of really well-made television. It's just very very
3: weird with Hulu because it's like that and The Dropout came out yeah. in such close proximity oh, to each so other good. and like they're both—they're not about the same thing, no. but it's very similar in terms of the right. overall arc of it. Yeah, and I don't know—it's very, very, very fascinating. The dropout is less sad. <laughs> I will say that's fair because we don't—we don't see like the firsthand damage that right, that product right. causes. It's more just, oh, these people are just lying. They're yeah. just always it's more lying. about <laughs> just like a lot of eye rolling. <laughs> oh, that's such a good
1: miniseries yeah. too.
3: Yeah, Tyler. Uh,
0: you mentioned Better Call Saul and speaking of things that everyone has already seen, uh, I did finish, except for the two of y'all who are the only people who have not seen these two things apparently. Um, I did finish. <laughs> we were too busy watching The you were too busy Man. watching. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, I finished uh, The Sandman, so retroactively locking in my recommendation from a couple weeks ago to say that it, I thought it was very good. Um, really, really cool adaptation of the comics into a very much show format uh, that I think work quite, works quite well. It's almost like, I've been thinking about this, and I think what they do that I think is quite smart with it is they identify that you can turn it into almost sort of a Doctor Who format. Uh, and I think that kind of is cracking the code for them to have like shifted a lot of the storylines into a more episodic thing. Um, and some of the storylines in this this first season take longer than that. Some of them, I hope they continue to get future Seasons; those will definitely, you know, have varying lengths in terms of how long stuff takes. But um, I think it's it's quite cool, and I like that a lot. Uh, my other recommendation is House of the Dragon. Anybody who's interested, again, except for the two of you, apparently, will probably have already seen it. Uh, I think uh, it's. I think now is the time to get on the bandwagon because everyone's going to watch it. No one is actually boycotting in after game of thrones season eight i was right you were all wrong game <laughs> of thrones season eight is good and was correct for that show <laughs> uh and you all and, he, and tyler are will see you in court eating <laughs> eating your feast of crows uh <laughs> as you watch house of the dragon anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, and history will prove me right. Uh House of the Dragon, uh it, it's just a lot of fun. It's it very much is the same world, and it does, I think, immediately capture the idea of like, what it all you know, we start Game of Thrones, King's Landing is in shambles, uh King Robert is not very good at what his what his job is. Uh and then like just everything is kind of falling apart. Nothing every everything's dysfunctional, nothing's really working. This is like at You know, not quite the height of King's Landing, but close to it. Like what, what was it like when they had the big dragons, when they had, uh, all the people, you know, pouring money into the city and all the Targaryens are ruling and there was a Targaryen ruling class with the different relations that come with that. And they had big, huge tournaments with arenas and stuff like it does a really good job of capturing that. Um, it's, it's, it's just cool to see something with that kind of fantasy setting given, such a big production value. Cause like, this is definitely also picking, they could not have made the show like this just from scratch. If game of Thrones did not exist, it very much is like, all right, after the success of game of Thrones, we're going to give, you know, some of the most visual directors from game of Thrones, this kind of free reign to do some really huge storytelling and like a t- massive budget and everything. Um, and I think that uh, has come across quite well. Uh, it definitely, it's not adapting something that is as clean, uh, to adapt. I mean, a song of ice and fire. The series is not clean to adapt either. Uh, and that's why there's a lot of conversation about how that was adapted for the show. Um, the, this one is, is taken from sort of a faux history that George R. Martin wrote, uh, and so it's it's like presented a lot more dryly and the characters are not as fleshed out uh, and it's not as much time as given to all the events. So they have a ton of free reign to kind of stretch and, and pull this and like figure out where they want it to go. I think the exposition is kind of clunky early on because of that. They're trying to like set up where everything stands at that exact moment. Um, but knowing the broad strokes of what goes on in like that history, uh, that I think is going to be a really cool thing to see happen over the course of the show. I think there's going to be a lot of cool twists and turns and, and fun stuff going on. The cast is great. Uh, Matt Smith uh, is finally getting success again. Speaking of Dr. Who, uh, and I'm very happy for him. I guess he was in the crown. Um, but yeah, I I think that uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be big. It's going to continue to be big. It's going to, I think kind of satisfy a lot of people who, uh claimed they quit Game of Thrones but actually just didn't have any more Game of Thrones to watch and now we're going to continue watching the Game of Thrones successor. So, uh there you have it. I would I would recommend I think it's a good thing to jump on now because I think it'll I think it'll have the same effect of like, "Oh my gosh, what did you see what happened in the most three oh my like whoa." Yeah. I think it will it'll have that kind of impact. So.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I'm going to let a few episodes accrue, but I'm, sure. I'm, I'm just one question,
3: Tyler. Um, with the the setup, I, I don't. I hardly know anything about the show. Um, I know it involves the Targaryens, and obviously we're still dealing with the Iron Throne and all that stuff in King's Landing. Does it go beyond King's Landing, or does it deal with anything going on up north, or with wildlings, or is that just like no? That's it, not what this show is.
0: I think it probably will. It hasn't yet. Okay. I mean, there's there's
3: more. Than I mean, it's just return. one
0: episode, but uh, yeah, like in this episode, definitely, it's like. Which, I mean, Game of Thrones, the first episode, I guess it jumped between the North and King's Landing a little. Um, this one, yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. I would imagine it's going to s- expand quite a bit over the course. Okay. There's not really uh, any battles unless I'm totally blinking in this one. Uh, so I imagine probably towards, you know, as they do probably towards the end of the season, we'll get some really big spectacular stuff going on. Um, and that'll probably take place in areas around uh, Westeros. (laughs) I know Game of Thrones. Uh, But yeah, uh, I think it'll probably end up having the same format. It's just going to take some time to set the characters up and expand. There's also going to be more linear stuff. I know they've already cast this episode. All the characters are young and they have cast older characters or older actors for a lot of the characters. So I'm curious how that's going to play. Maybe they'll, they'll do a lot with like, flashbacks or maybe they'll just do it totally linearly and have it be like all right now we're swapping from the younger actors there's been a time jump so
1: remains to be seen but i think it'll be good season two all mole town all mole town all mole Town. the whole thing yeah now a- another question for you <laughs> do you do you
3: think it's going to end like the final scene of the show whenever it ends is going to like lead directly into game of thrones. Is it going to be that kind of prequel? I, 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 yeah. I, I would hope it's not. That. I
1: hope it doesn't cover 200 years. Of- they
3: could. And I say that
0: only because I think it would be neat for them to get to the like Robert's rebellion to that. Like the, I, I think that would actually be kind of fun. And like, if they do play with time enough, they could cover that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the, Josh the end, Gad
1: in there. Yeah. The end
0: scene Josh Gad is as a, Robert.
3: <laughs> Since more the end school. scene is literally at the wall and not Matt Damon and his <laughs> group of Knights Watchmen yes. are, are going yeah. out through the tunnel. Yeah. Like that's I, how the show ends. They should.
0: Uh, I
1: don't think <laughs> they would do
0: that, uh, but they could, get, I, I, they could yeah. get pretty dang close and like still have it make sense for them to be going there. The, the last shot,
1: the last shot is of of the baby girl, and they say, "She'll one day. One day she'll be queen. She won't be a queen. She'll be a dragon." Sure. And it's Daenerys. Yeah. Do you remember her? Or
0: or they just zoom in really close on Viserys at that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oh, sorry, <laughs> his, he will be the dragon.
1: <laughs> and yeah, What are you going to say, Doug? Um, you
0: know, you you've introduced a scenario in my head because, uh. This is so far based on. I think they actually skipped a chunk of it, um, but it's based on Fire and Blood, which is uh, the history that George R. R. Martin wrote. Uh, that they're kind of using as the outline for this, um, and I think this season will mostly be focused on like one big thing that happens in that. Uh, but it's only the first half of like the 300 years before, so it goes up to like 150 years before or something. I don't know exactly where it stops, but um, it stops a little while after where they're starting this. Uh, and he said he wants to f- to write a second volume to fill that in, but he's going to wait until after he finishes Winds of Winter to do it, which means another show could pass him, even though this is a much smaller book that he knocked <laughs> out the other version of in the middle of the other show happening. He, he could once again be left
1: by the show. Hear,
3: hear me out. Hear me out. Oh my God. He's talking with the showrunners of of this current um, show, who are not D and D, just so everyone's rant. aware. And he makes the deal. I promise, I am going to get done with all of this nonsense before you get there. You are going to have the ammunition you need to complete the job. Cut to five years later. He's not written a single darn thing. And the showrunners quit. It's a complete disaster. HBO's like, we have all these sets and all this money. What do we do? There's only two guys you can bring back <laughs> to finish the job. Yeah. D&D will return. That's all that I'm is saying. the previous <laughs> timeline. And, and then they, they have
1: D- D&D waking up in their twin beds. Uh, <laughs> s- their separate twin beds <laughs> and their sleeping caps. And they look at the camera and go, if only. <laughs>
0: They're... Yeah, they're... look, they've
1: got they've got a little red telephone that has a
3: hotline straight yeah, to yeah. the HBO offices. Whenever they are needed, they'll be there for. Well, us. Well,
1: Netflix isn't letting going to do a season two of The Chair, so I guess I got something to I got some time.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say is they have the, uh, um, they're doing uh, what I call three three body problem, three body problem. So it's like after the, in the intervening years, three body problem is a huge success. They're they're super you know influential and like now have. Uh, riches beyond compare and are rolling and you know their mansion whatever
1: turning down star wars movies left and right
0: yeah and zazlav is like
1: please please come back they're like (laughs) i guess (laughs) we can do it house of the abbot didn't work out as much as we thought we had the abbot elementary (laughs) we thought we could do it sorry
2: Uh,
0: um yeah if you want to hear us spend 30 minutes talking about Current topics after talking about a random movie from eight months ago uh <laughs> then you can find us online at herecomesequals.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at HCT sequels you can email us at gmail.com. Uh, we are on spotify we are on uh on hbo we're on, <laughs> well, we're on music stuff yeah. like apple music
1: Uh, check us out look at
3: this rate i mean we could
1: i mean you don't know they're making they're playing calvin ball over there you could show up yeah that'd be awesome
3: give us give us a
1: like and a subscribe new episodes from shows you love this week and it's like the gordita chronicles hacks and then us (laughs) hey yeah next week guys um if you thought we had trouble talking about this movie and staying on track just wait till next week that's all i gotta tell you um it's, it's, it's gonna be a uh, dragons. Not really. It, it's gonna be.
3: No, I'm not gonna give it away. <laughs> but I don't it's... know what it
0: is. And I don't want to know. Okay. I forgot. Well, I,
1: I, We'll let you know before next week. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. I should Or maybe you don't have to. And Alex and I will explain the movie to you. <laughs> That'd be nice. That sounds good to me. It's, no. Yeah. Simil- no. And hey, similar to uh, Secrets of Vangabus. I haven't seen the second movie. <laughs> Uh, of this one, so... Oh, that's who knows what? Okay I, we're, okay, I know where. Okay, I know we're right.
3: Go listen to our Game of Thrones episodes. Those... Mm-hmm. S- do that instead. Yeah. I, I, tried, I tried my best to, to wear them down, folks. Through yeah. every criticism I could think <laughs> of. But you know what? Sometimes you can't keep a good season eight down. I've friend. been Alex. I've been Tyler.
1: And I've been Britton. And you've been having a good night.